You're listening to Podcasting Made Simple, where we deliver weekly masterclass episodes to help podcast hosts and podcast guests elevate their podcasting game. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Today's episode features the audio replay of the keynote presentation from the last PodPros quarterly event. To learn more about the keynote speaker that you're about to hear from, along with other helpful resources, including the video version of this episode, please visit podpros.com slash 184. And now please enjoy today's keynote episode. So recently we were on the phone and I, we were having a conversation and I asked you a question and I really want to start this conversation off with it because I think it would be very valuable for everyone who's listening and watching to be able to hear your response to this. And I just asked you, uh, did the name Jordan Harbinger have any sort of celebrity associated with it before you started podcasting? So I'd love to just pick up from right no, there. No, far from it. You know, I was a quiet kid, which is funny now to say that, but I was a quiet, introverted kid. And I during high school, I got a little better. Then in college, I kind of reverted back to that. So no, certainly not. Certainly not. I, I was a Wall Street attorney. And then I started teaching a course on networking and people were curious about it. So I recorded the lectures onto a CD, on a mini disc, actually, to put a little timestamp on how old I am now. And then burning those to CDs and then sharing those. And I was like, man, if there was only a way to put MP3s on the internet, and there was not a way to do that. <laughs> Again, I'm 42. And so <laughs> I was just lamenting about how annoying that was. And then a friend of mine was like, hey, there's this brand new thing called podcasting. And it's kind of like downloadable radio shows. You should just do that because everybody at school has iTunes. And I was like, oh yeah, let's do that. So I uploaded it. I had to buy like a GoDaddy shared server to put the MP3 file. There was no... There wasn't really a such thing as podcast hosting that I could find, um, at, at least not that I knew of. And so I rented a server because it was cheaper than paying for whatever it passed for podcast hosting at the time. And uh, you'd have to put like URLs into what I guess was maybe WordPress in 2006 and people would have to click and download it. Or if they had iTunes installed, they could navigate text only, no art, no album cover, nothing navigate these menus and they would find your show and they would click on whichever episode and download it to their iTunes. That was the only way to get a podcast. So starting a podcast back then, there was no such thing as YouTube, by the way. There was no Twitter. At least no one was using it that I knew. Facebook was like only for people at certain universities. So the idea that somebody was an influencer or a media personality online literally didn't exist. There were a couple of big bloggers that people may have read, but that was it. There was no, and nobody knew what they looked like. They were just writers. The things would get passed around, emailed around. They they had banner ads that maybe made them a G a month. I don't know, like, to, you know, four cents a click if they're lucky. Right. That was it. There was nobody, nobody was earning a living online. You know, it's funny. Talking. This, this wasn't like, you know, make it, you're telling your age and stuff like that. You're making this sound like it was a really long time ago. But if you think about it, like, this wasn't that long ago. Like, podcasting social media, all these things are no. relatively new and really still taking off. And it's interesting though, what, something I love about your story, and I kind of want to get to where you are today, and then we'll kind of fill in the gaps with the rest of the mm -hmm. conversation. But it's great to hear that you didn't start as some sort of celebrity or some sort of influencer. Like you just started no. as a guy who maybe didn't even like to talk to people, apparently. Um, yeah. And That's I, funny. I just, that was, so my course was about networking. And I was like, I know that it <laughs> sucks to have to talk to other humans, but here's how I do it. You know, like I overcame my... 
That's really so. That's funny. It's an irony that hadn't occurred to me before. Uh, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, I'm glad we could have that revelation moment here mm. uh, together. But anyway, so let's talk quickly about where you are today. And, and I'll quickly mention I recently saw an article. I believe it was on Yahoo about how uh, the Jordan Harbinger show and uh, Podcast One, which is the network that you're part of, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you all agreed on a seven-figure revenue deal, uh, which is incredible. Like, but can you share a little bit more about where you are today? I mean, obviously, this is a, a journey, but wh- where are yeah. you guys at today now? Sure. So the show gets 15 million downloads a month, which is ridiculous by in any sort of way you want to use the word. <laughs> and <laughs> it is surprising to me. It's surprising to everybody that knows me, probably, except for the people that were like early on gung-ho. What's funny is like I was never, there was a woman who I went to law school with that I would have lunch with sometimes because we had a cafeteria and I'd sit there and I'd be like, hey, Crystal, what's going on? And she was like, I, I, saw, I heard your podcast. I saw you have the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's funny. And she goes, I think one day this might make you kind of famous. And I, I laughed in her face. Wow. And I was like, nobody listens to podcasts. It's kind of famous. Nobody knows what I look like. Nobody cares. It's a podcast. It's like there's probably 40 people in the whole city of Ann Arbor downloading it. No one can just, it's hard to find. Like, thank you though. You know, and now look at it. Um, So yeah, we're, it's a multiple seven figure business. You know, it's more money in one month than I thought I would make in multiple years of working. If you'd asked me when I was in college and it is, I, I hire a whole team and I'm, I'm managing a business I didn't know existed because it didn't exist when I was going to college. And I really didn't, I still almost don't even consider myself creative or artistic. And here I am literally in a creative field. And it's like, what, who is this man in the mirror? Uh, it's, it's kind of funny to, to be in this position. Because I know this sounds, people always say like, oh, you're just being modest. I really do think of myself as a guy who reads books and talks to smart people. And it's like, how am I getting paid for this? <laughs> right. So there's an element of marketing that I learned over years that I'm sure we'll talk about, but it wasn't like, so first I'm going to do this and I've got a business plan and a strategy and did it. No, it was like, I'm just going to talk into a microphone and upload it. I don't care how many people download it. And then after a while it was like, there's a lot of people listening to this and they're sharing it and it's people love it and it's changing lives. And then it was like, I'm doing coaching on this and, or the other, and then years go by and I'm like, I have a crap load of people listening to this. And then like real podcasting statistics and hosting backends start being built in the industry. And I'm like, I should look it out and see how many people are doing this and then get a contract with a network and put ads on here. Maybe I can make some money. And then it was just like making a thousand dollars a month. I was like, I'm paying my rent. And then, you know, dot, dot, dot. I'm like, I'm paying my rent in a badass house that I built, you know, like, you know, like what happened? I, I went from like, this is a side hustle that I like, but it's never going to be as much as my wall street law job to being like, that's how much partners make at wall street. Oh, look at me. I'm a huge snob now. Right. I mean, it's really <laughs> like a shocking development that I didn't know was possible. And that frankly was also not possible at the time. And so I think that was kind of an advantage because nobody doing a podcast in 2006, 2007 was like, I'm going to get rich from this. So there's a purity there. That's fun that I still have in Which, many ways. That, that's key that you just said there that you still have, it's still fun. Like I, I love that. And mm-hmm. I can actually pick that up. Um, as you, uh, we talk on a semi-regular basis, at least through Instagram. Mm-hmm. So you, you definitely know that I listen to your show and mm-hmm. I, I always call you like the best of the major podcasters out there, like the celebrity podcasters, like you've just, you've got the interview style down. It's just really solid information people can learn from. 
And it goes back to that genuine curiosity that you have and ability to dive into something and learn. And uh, so I want to get in back, going like backing up in your story a little bit here. How long did it take you to start getting traction with this? Like, obviously, you launched and you went through oh, obviously the mess of what podcasting yeah. used to be. By the way, Jordan, like people that are starting today, it's so funny. You have like five clicks of a button and you have a podcast. And back then, obviously, it was like you're like plugging things into computers and, you know, Dude, all kinds of crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I had to special order when I went to Guitar Center in 2006 and I said, what we want to do is record audio and then have it on the computer. They were like, so you want to use real microphones that you use at like to perform with a band and you want it to go into your computer? And they were like, does that exist? And I'm talking <laughs> about an audio interface, right? Like that's all. And they're like, um, I don't know. And then, so we buy these mics, they're on sale. Totally the wrong kind of mics, whatever. And the guys are like, we can order you this thing. They pull out like a magazine from M Audio, which is funny because that company's still around. It still makes audio interfaces. And they, they're like, they have this new thing where you can plug two microphones into it and it plugs into your laptop or your computer via USB. And it was like hundreds of dollars. And we're like, all right, this is a big purchase, but we'll do it. And it was like, the, it, all it was was a giant oversized box that had two XLR mic inputs in it and a USB cord on the other side, which now you could get a miniature version like this that works with your iPhone for half of that price, not even half the price we paid. And they had to order it. It took weeks to arrive. And then we got it and we're like, great, we can plug these mics in and record directly to GarageBand, which you could not do before. Now, you're, yeah, like you said, it's four clicks. You don't even need special hardware. Half the people are like, I just use my AirPods, which I don't recommend, but like you can. And all the stuff is built into your computer, including a video element. And then you drop it into whatever. You could edit the whole thing on your iPhone. You run plugins and it sounds great. That, that was not the case. And then hosting, forget it. There's a million choices. Half the apps you use to edit it can upload directly to the host backend with no problem. That was also not the case. Like I said, we had to call, I had to call GoDaddy and be like, how do I put MP3 files on the internet? And they're like, hold on, we'll put you on hold. And you can talk to a specialist who like might do some guesswork on this. It was it, nuts. I mean, that sounds so dumb that we had to go through all that now, but also it made total sense that nobody else really had podcasts. Like it was all dudes. So like, neckbeardy white dudes like me, right? Who were like tech, every other show was like tech reviews, like computer parts and internet stuff. We were one of the only shows that wasn't that. Because yeah. of course you had to know all that computer, you had to know all that stuff to even be able to access it, let alone do it. So it was a great market because at first I was talking about social skills, networking and dating. And it's like, well, okay, you're the only audience you have for this is a bunch of like tech dudes who are really good at tech and maybe not great at other things. So we had a, we had sort of like nailed this niche, right? Like we're going to talk to this great audience that loves podcasts and is all of one type of guy. And we're going to only talk about this stuff that no one else is talking about. So that was just pure luck. So did you get immediate traction with this because you just, you got in at the right time, you had the right audience. Did you, did you find that just kind of took off? Cause you talked about making that few no. hundred dollar investment that time. I don't know if you were still a student or just out of it, but I know that that was a lot of money for you at that point. Like what made yeah. you decide to see the future and say, you know what, we should invest in this? Like what, what was that decision like? Sure. Yeah. No, no. Um, the answer is, I don't know if we got traction right away because there were no real statistics right. that we could look at. So I remember one of the first times I looked at our statistics, I was like, okay, we have to look at like the files served and there'd be like images and stuff because our website was also hosted on this because there was no such thing as like random. You can just like, there was no Squarespace or whatever. So ignore all those, just look at the MP3 files. Great. All right. 
uh, 20% of these are served and 80 whatever percent, like some rough percent, they're all partial downloads, which now we know that's how MP3s are downloaded. But back then we had no idea. Nobody at GoDaddy freaking knew to tell us. So I ignored all the partial downloads and I would just go, okay, we had 7,000 downloads, right? And there was no mobile data really at the time either. So we're like, all right, so people are downloading mostly to their computer. And so we had really unreliable stats and I was like, all right, well this month we had 7,000 people downloading. That's, that's a ton. You know, this, but I probably checked that like six months in to check the GoDaddy bill. I probably like went over on our data and then I wouldn't check again for another six months because I didn't need to. And as time went on, we'd get, you know, you're out of data transfer. You need to upgrade your plan. And I'd be like, what, how much? Oh, okay. 40,000 people downloaded this month, which was a huge, ridiculous number in 2010 and is now what we probably get like before lunch on a given Sunday. But that was not, we had nothing to compare that to. So if I asked a friend of mine who ran a website, he'd be like, well, I got X number of hits, but it's like, well, okay, but there, that's someone reading an article that you wrote that's two paragraphs long or 10 paragraphs long. And this is somebody downloading like an hour of me talking. So it's apples to oranges. I never even bothered to check because what am I checking? I have no basis of comparison. My, my metric was, do I enjoy doing this? If yes, continue. If no, do not continue. It wasn't like, oh, we've hit our projection. We didn't hit our projections. So stop. And I see a lot of people who are new to podcasting, they quit after like nine episodes. I think that there's major cutoffs like six, nine episodes in because they're thinking, of course, I'm going to be popular. I'm brilliant and I'm smart and I'm funny. And I have a following of people who own pet shops in the Miami area and it's going to be huge. And then when nobody gives a crap because there's eight bajillion podcasts and they're all the same, they're like, well, okay, screw this. It's easier to grow on TikTok. So that's what I'm going to do. And I never cared about any of that. And to this day, I don't care about any of that. I still look at my podcast stats, uh, but I look at different metrics. Um, I don't care about TikTok. I don't even, I think my team is testing it. Uh, I don't, I have Instagram, but I just answer DMs from fans in there. I don't ever post and I don't mess around with Twitter or anything. So people will be like, how do you have only 20,000 Twitter followers? I'm like, well, try only answering your DMs in your inbox. <laughs> you don't grow <laughs> from doing that. Um, and But it's fun because I read books and I talk to smart people. I don't cry because I didn't go viral that month with my dance. You know, none of that right. crap is relevant. It's all nonsense. Right. So, you know, I want to ask one more question about like the, the past, if you will, of Jordan Harbinger. And we'll kind of get into some, some sure. current day stuff. But what? Uh, so, like, obviously, this was a, a serious investment, but it was really something that you were just passionate about, that you found that you enjoyed right. doing, you were learning, you were growing yeah. from it. At what point did you decide to leave a job? Like, you mentioned it paying your rent and then paying, like, your, yeah. your mortgage at some point, right? But at what point did you decide, okay, this is real, I need to make some sort of move here? Like, what was that transition like for you? So, the first thing I did was I moved to New York because I got a job on Wall Street as an attorney because I'd started the show while I was in law school. Then, uh, I, by luck and networking and whatever, practicing what I teach in six minute networking and on the Jordan Harbinger show, I got a guest spot on Sirius XM satellite radio. And from there, uh, I got my own show on Sirius XM satellite radio because I went up to the manager's office and blah, blah, blah. And the rest is sort of history. They gave me a, a shot. Uh, the shot went well. It was like at 11 AM in the morning. Then it was like, you know, dot, dot, dot the next year. It's like, 
Friday night evening drive, you know, do your own show. Then they're like, can you do more days? Yeah. So I took that and I did that for four plus years doing live call in advice like Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla. And then that ended when I moved to LA, even though they have studios in LA, it was kind of like out of sight, out of mind, whatever. We don't need you anymore. And it's funny because they fired like a ton of shows and I should say they've released because they've asked us to come back, but it's like, you know, I don't care anymore. Um, they're a great company. Don't get me wrong, but I don't care anymore. And they, they released a bunch of shows and we were one of them. And I was like, eh, you know, okay. Uh, I'm still doing the podcast. I never stopped doing the podcast. And the reason was because I was like, I own this. Right. So if, if we get fired or we drop or Sirius XM goes out of business, which it honestly looked like would happen at that time, they would go under. I'm like, well, at least I still have the podcast. So we were referring people from the radio show back to the podcast all the time. And then when the radio show ended, we kind of were like, well, we still have the podcast. So I just kept doing it. But it was always, always, always just like a passion project. I didn't have a choice when I left my Wall Street law firm because they went out of business too during the 2008 recession. And so I tried to get other law jobs and it was kind of hard and there was a lot of interviews lined up and I was like, wait, 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 what am I doing? I'm working my ass off to get another job that I don't even want. Or I can just be like, I can just do this radio show, do this podcast. And now's the time to do it. I'm 28 years old. I'm not going to have another easier time where I can like, try and make it with the band, man. You know, like that's what my, like I had friends who were like, screw it. I'm going to play guitar in bars. And I was like, you're a loser. What are you doing? You have a law degree. And I was like, wait a minute, I need to do the same thing. But with my podcast, now's the time, like do it now. And I was doing coaching and stuff. And I was like, I'm good at this. I'm people like this. Why am I trying to get another job? I don't want just cause I have a law degree and I have student loans. Like I can defer that crap. So I just went for it, man. And, um, and it was easier because I, I was forced with a choice if you're in a cush job and they're like, no, why would you leave? You're in a cush job. Great. But if they're like, you have to leave and you can try to get another job or you can do this thing you're already doing that you love, that was, that made it a lot easier. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that that would make it easier. I remember when I actually left yeah. my traditional corporate job, uh, it, I was doing really well there and uh, continuously getting more and more perks that come with corporate life as you get into the executive mm -hmm. level. But it was a tough decision for me to make that move. But I could totally understand that, hey, if you've got traction with something like a podcast, it's you owe it to yourself to try it. And I love that you did. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, I want to transition now to talk more about like present, sure. not, not present day, but kind of the journey of how you grew it. Because when you went all in, obviously... You still refer to yourself as a recovering lawyer, by the way, um, mm. right? Uh, so you're I like, still got a law degree, man. I, right, I okay. just finished paying for that crap. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna run it until the wheels fall off. Right. So now that you're, <laughs> you're still in that, 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 I guess that uh, recovery there, if you will, right? But you're, you're full time in podcasting. When you went all in, obviously, you probably took it a little bit more seriously. You started looking at ways to market it, to grow it intentionally. Yeah. At least I'm assuming you did that. Can you explain kind yeah, of yeah. that journey to where it got you to where you are now? That was when I was like, okay, I can't just like show up and be like, all right, well, it's going to keep growing the way that it was. I'm like, I need to throw gasoline on this fire. So I was like, I need to go on everybody's podcast. So I, I would email everyone who had a podcast and they'd be like, why do you want to come on the working from home show or like, what? And I'm like, I work from home. And they're like, all right, fine. So I went on hundreds and hundreds of podcasts over the years and I would try to do a good job. And I, I, you know, at the end, it's like, come listen to the Jordan Harbinger show. And so you get like five, 10, 15, whatever new listeners from that. And you just keep doing it over and over and over again until you're like, wait a minute, I have 40,000 people listening to this thing. So I just kept doing that and I'd fill my days with that kind of stuff. And yeah, I hired people to help me out and things like that. But that, that, that's great. You can get that business advice literally anywhere. 
But the best thing that I did was go on tons and tons of shows because if tons and tons of people know who, who you are, maybe they don't listen to you right away, but they hear you on one show and then they hear you on another show. And they're like, I keep hearing about this guy. I've, I've even heard people complain at like podcast movement conference. They're like, why does every show have this Jordan Harbinger guy on there? Like, is that all <laughs> we have to offer? And I was like, damn right. You know, so <laughs> like, I want people to be like, I'm so sick of this guy. Like my favorite one star reviews of the Jordan Harbinger show are, I'm so sick of hearing your ads everywhere. You're, t I hate you. I'm like, good, saturated. You know, this is not a nice, sane person who's going to listen to me anyways, but I want everybody to be like, I've heard this guy everywhere. Good, my ad budget's working. So <laughs> I pay for ads, of course, but that's not going to help most people listening. Going on other people's shows, trading ads with other big shows, like if there's another show has 100 plus thousand downloads, you know, maybe 300,000 downloads, I'll run an ad for you, you run an ad for me, but let's do it every other week for the whole year. And I do it as many of those as I can. And so those slowly over time convert, man. It's a slow snowball, but podcast listeners are loyal. So it's time in the game. 15 years in, I'm still spending and trading and trying to go on shows and, and pack things in because that's how you build a loyal listener base, you know? So, and interacting with your fans is another tip. A lot of, you'd be, it would, it's funny how I try to get a hold of somebody who's got 50,000 downloads per episode and they don't check their email and their VA is on vacation and it's in the spam folder and they don't check their DMs. I'm like, I read and respond to everything that I get and it breeds loyal listeners, but also they tell other people like, I can't believe I DM Jordan and he replied like, this is crazy. Or they'll ask a question and I'll reply. A lot of people, they'll get like 1,000 followers and they're like, I'm a friggin' celebrity now. And it's like, your crap has evaporated in a year and no one cares about you. You have to care about your audience. And the way you do that is you keep realizing that they are real people. And the way to do that is you interact with them. You don't just talk at them. You, you interact with them and you make things for them. Like I'm not making a show where I'm like, oh, this seems cool. I'm making a show for like, Charlotte in Idaho who emailed me yesterday and was like, my dog died and I feel great now, or sorry, better, I should say, because I'm listening to your show and I feel not so alone, even though, you know, like that's a person who heard from me and I'm like, I'm thinking of Charlotte in North Carolina or like Charlotte in Idaho because apparently I can't remember what state my example <laughs> is from, but you get the idea, right? right? And, I'm, and, and I think a lot of creators are like, I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want, which is fine. You're the artist, but don't be surprised when you're not resonating with your audience because- you're not really making things for them. You're making things for yourself. I make things that I'm interested in, but I'm doing it with the audience in mind. And you have to balance those things. A lot of creators don't do that. They either make only things that they think their audience is gonna care about, which is like YouTube videos where it's like, oh, what's trending? Ukraine. Okay, three weird things you didn't know about the war in Ukraine. Them making a funny face in the thumbnail. That's when you're pandering to whatever's gonna get you clicks. Podcasting's kind of the opposite. You make something that you are interested in, but you're like, what would, what would Jason think about this? He's a guy who likes a good spy story, you know? And so I'm asking the question, I'm like putting myself into the body of 250,000 people at the same time, trying to, the mind anyway, maybe not the body. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I love these tips that you gave in, in, in attendance today, listening, watching are both podcast guests and podcast hosts. So it's great to hear that podcast mm. guesting has worked really well for you. And it's a really good strategy. And you just stuck with it consistently. And still this day, yeah. I still I still load up shows. And I'm like, oh, it's Jordan Harbinger. And by the way, I'm not mm. one of those like, oh, I'm not, I don't leave you a one star review when I when I hear you on a podcast. I still enjoy I appreciate it. that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, then you do some look. 
the podcasting has crazy people, but it's nowhere near YouTube. I, I stopped reading YouTube comments because I was like, what are, uh, who are these people? Like, I can't even tell if they're serious. Some of this stuff is so stupid. Right. I, like, my favorites, my favorites are, I'll be interviewing someone and they're going, what's up with all the questions? And I'm like, this is an interview, man. What do you mean what's up with all the questions? It's literally an interview. This is my entire job. My entire career is literally just the thing you complained about. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't. Continuing off of that, actually. So you also mentioned some ad swaps, which is a really cool idea. Uh, but you just mentioned the, the questions, the interview. Here's the thing. Because you are really loyal to your, your fans, your followers, your mm. listeners, and you, you go all in on that, they probably, many of them would still listen even if you weren't good at what you do. But I referenced it earlier. You're a really good interviewer. And I appreciate that, that obviously has yeah. to be part of it. Because if you weren't a good interviewer, your show wouldn't continue to grow. People might say, Jordan's a nice guy, but he doesn't really know how to ask questions. Clearly yeah, stop you snorting some, into the microphone. Yeah, You yeah, put yeah. some time and energy into that. Can you talk about maybe perfecting your craft in that space or improving it on a consistent basis? Oh my God, man. I hired broadcast uh, DJs to critique my stuff. I'll send them hours of my show and I'm like, they're like, it's $100 an hour. I'm like, here's a thousand bucks. I want 10 hours of critique. Here's the last 10 episodes. Listen to all of them. Then we're going to schedule hours and hours and hours of phone calls, one each week. So you're going to give me action items and da, da, da. And I'd done that for a while. I, when my voice was getting tired towards the end of shows, I hired a voice coach that would help me change a billion little things and tweak things and show me warm ups and make my voice have stamina and variance and all these other things that you need in order to be able to talk to somebody for hours on end or, or a couple of hours on end, it, you know, cause I record for 90 minutes, turn it into a 60 minute show or 70 minute show. So I had all of that stuff. Uh, I've hired a million different consultants. I mean, I'm always working on that kind of stuff. And I'm at a point now where unfortunately like the people I can hire that can really help me are, ex they don't want to work for somebody else. Cause it's like you're hiring Anderson Cooper to critique your interview technique. And it's a, you know, thousands of dollars an hour. Um, but that's a good thing. Like you, I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly like, Hey, can I get your opinion on this? And they're like, eh, I don't really do that. And I'm like, what if I give you a boatload of money? Cause I don't care about the money. I care about the craft and the quality of the show. The other thing that I do, um, is I will re-listen to old shows that are a couple of years old. You're probably not going to hear anything in an episode that's six months old. You're going to be like, I did fine. But if you listen to something you did a year or five ago, you will see how far you have progressed, but you'll also be like, oh, I'm consciously now aware that I should never do this particular thing after I do this other particular thing. And you start to learn from yourself and critique your own mistakes. And it's really hard to do immediately after you record. You can listen to something you recorded last week, but there's more value in listening to something something you recorded last year because you see how far you've come. But then you'll also be like, oh, there's this other thing I didn't love in there. Do I still do that? You know, that's that's important. Um, I really, you have to have kind of a craftsman mindset. Not like I'm good enough at this that I can stop worrying about it. That's what mediocre people think all the time, right? That's what mediocre right. athletes think about all the time. That's what mediocre performers in any niche think about is that I'm good enough at XYZ skill set already. So you shouldn't be looking for what you already know. You should be looking for things that you don't know or don't do. So I'm always doing that. And I'm always, I've always got, I've got coaching even now. And it's it, some of the coaching I have now is, is like improv acting voiceover. It's very specific, but there's an improv acting voiceover coach that I love that I work with every single week. And she'll be like, 
Well, on these kinds of words, you have to say the emotion that the word is associated with, where it's like, so I don't say, be gentle. I say, be gentle, right? And that changes the vocal tonality and the variance that, with which I speak. And I'm always working on stuff like that, like just little, little tiny nuanced details that nobody who's listening is going to go, wow, when he says a word, he says it like it. No, it just, they just go, I just, this guy's easy to listen to. It's just all subconscious and it's all smooth. You don't want to have weird details that, that make people tired when you're listening. Like the volume of my ads is the same as the volume of the show. That's not an accident. The volume my co-host has or the guest has is exactly the same volume that I have in terms of luffs, which is like the sound metric. Things don't clip on your car speakers or your AirPods because my engineer makes sure that they work on large speakers and small speakers. There's not too much bass. It doesn't sound weird. There's no distortion. If you don't have that, then after a while, people are like, man, I'm tired of listening to this. It's not you. It's like a thing. I don't know. I'm just kind of tired. Let me listen to some music. Their ears are tired. Their brain is tired. All of that stuff is being smoothed out in the back end by my team and me. Well, man, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I love hearing that part of it. Like, that's incredible just to hear that, like, you, you look at that little detail, mm. you invest in yourself in that way. I, I have a couple more questions here. One of which is you, you keep on mentioning that you, you read books, right? You read books and you ask questions. Mm. It's kind of like your profession. Is it yeah. important for you to always read a book before you have a guest on? Like, how much research are you doing before you have someone on your show? Yeah, eight to 10 hours. Um, I would, it, it, they don't have to have a book, but the problem is if I'm reading 17 articles about somebody, uh, 11 of them are like the same thing in different words that a reporter jacked because they had a quota and they had to read, write something that day. And it's the same nonsense. in like I said, in different words, you know, you, when you're talking about reading something on page com, like, you know, you've hit the bottom of the rabbit hole. And so books make it easier. Also people who write books have clarified their thinking on a subject. So if I'm reading, if I'm listening to a bunch of podcasts that someone did, eh, okay, cool, uh, fine. I'm hearing a lot of the same sound bites, et cetera. But if somebody wrote a book on a subject, they wrote a draft of that book and then an editor went, that's all. This is all you know about this and this and this. You need to flesh this out. This other idea is super confusing. Hey, by the way, that story you told, that doesn't even make sense or illustrate the point you were trying to make. So they go back and they fix it and they fix it and they fix it and they fix it. So by the time I read a book, you have thought about this. I don't want you to think about this on the on my show for the first freaking time and be right. like, oh yeah, that never that doesn't make sense. You're right. Like that's I don't want that. That's a waste of my listeners' time. So I want somebody who has clarified their thinking. And you can get somebody who's written a book or is very smart uh, and hasn't written a book and they can do well. Or you can get somebody who's a really good performer and they can do well on the fly. But if you get somebody who just has an interesting story but no book you really have to do a lot, a lot, a lot of work. And usually you have to be asking them literally about their own life or it will be garbage. So that's why I pick people who have books because their they're, they're thinking is better on the subject that the book is, is describing. That's smart for all of our podcast guests in attendance or listening or watching this. Uh, that's, a, that's a cue to you. Get your book out there, right? Uh, I want to yeah. ask a couple more questions. Here. I got two things left. Uh, one of which, sure. what would you say have been maybe your biggest or a couple of your biggest struggles that you've had along the way in your podcasting journey? Mm. Yeah, I mean, growing when you're doing swaps and you're trading and this and that, it can be kind of slow and maddening. You know, I remember one year I was like, this is my year is like 2018 or 17 or 19 maybe. And I was like, I'm going to make a list of shows and I'm going to go on all these shows. And then I'm going to do a swap of ads with all these shows. 
And it took like a month to get each one booked and done. And people were just like, well, I don't know. I'm kind of busy. Yeah, I got kids, you know? And I'm like, get hungry, man. Like a lot of people out there weren't hungry. So one of the things, the way I solved that problem was I was like, I'm just going to get a budget together from my network and I'm going to be, I'm going to buy the ads because I can ask somebody to do a swap and they're like, oh, I'll do one, oh, but I'm so busy this month. But if I call their network and I'm like, I have $10,000 for ads. They're like, great. Do you want to start on Monday? And then they call that host and they're like, this is what you are doing. You don't have, you don't have a right, right. to be like, Oh, I'm, I'll do it later. He's buying the ads for next week. Can you do it now? And, and they're like, oh, money? Okay. So they go into their studio on Sunday and they friggin' do it. Whereas like they don't, a lot of people don't understand the value of a swap because they're like, well, it's free and I have to promote him. So eh, but if you give them cash, they'll do it. So I run more ad, I run more paid ad impressions in one day for the Jordan Harbinger show than I used to be able to get in a month. Wow. And I do it every single day. And so my show growth is like this. And then you can see where I started paying because it just goes hockey sticks all the way up and it hasn't stopped. That's a, that's a cool so, insight. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. The problem is it's super freaking expensive. Like I, <laughs> I think I've spent like $2 million. Well, I will be spending $2 million, more than $2 million this year. Uh, in two, this is 2022. 2022 ad budget is $2.5 million. So wow. like, that's a lot of money. You yeah. Know? So I understand why somebody who's like, getting a microphone out of a box and has was like, wow, this thing was $200 is not going to be able to do that. I don't recommend people do that. That's something that you do when you've exhausted everything else. Right. Well, that's cool. I love that the fact that you had a struggle and you found a way to overcome it. Now, obviously it's, it's cost a lot of money, but it's, it's paying off. It's working. Like you wouldn't be doing this yeah. if you were losing money every year by doing it. It's no, working no. out for I'm you. Turning a dollar into $2. It's just, that's, you know, great. It's, that's great. You Do you have any other struggle like that that maybe you had to overcome in, in your in your journey? Would you say or anything else is noteworthy? Yeah, I mean, mentioning? in 2018, I had a split with, I used to have business partners and they were like, we want to keep doing dating and pickup artist crap. And I was like, this is nonsense, man. I'm married. I'm going to have kids. Like I can't <laughs> deal with this immature crap, but it was my face and my name. And I'm like, so I have all the negative consequences of being associated with something I don't like or respect. And you guys just get to share the money and you don't want to invest in the growth of the show because they didn't want me to like get too much power by growing more and more. And I was like, you realize the catch 22 is we're never going anywhere, right? Cause I'm the only one doing this. And yet you won't give me a budget to do anything. And I would get outvoted on stuff that was just obviously good for the business. Like they wouldn't let me buy ads. And I'm like, this is the solution to the problem. And they're like, well, no, we want to go to Italy and buy new shoes. So <laughs> once I separated from them, they sued me uh, and said, you're not allowed to do your own podcast. And I was, and luckily they couldn't afford to pay for my stock. Um, so they couldn't enforce the non-compete because they had to pay me like a few million dollars what the show was worth uh, in the section of what the show was worth in order to enforce a non-compete, especially in California. So since they couldn't afford to do that, and since I'm a lawyer, they spent 300 grand on legal fees instead of buying my stock back, which is dumb as hell. But you know, again, Gives you a good reason why I separated from these knuckleheads. And then I immediately went to work. And it's funny because I thought, oh, it's going to take me like five years to get back to where I am. No, it took me eight months. And it just wow. shows you that, man, that was the right decision to get. Drop that dead weight and move. And that's exactly what happened. But I, for like a month, I didn't sleep. I had anxiety like, not like I'm kind of nervous about this, but like wake up at two o'clock in the morning and you're vibrating and you go to the bathroom and you're staring at the ceiling for the rest of the night. Anxiety, lose 20 pounds of weight, anxiety from not eating like that, that was bad. And, but I came out the other side and I was just more determined than ever. And I just, it was like trial. It was like 
iron going through a fire and coming out steel. It was, it sucked, but I wouldn't trade that experience for the world because I came out the other side, just swinging and hitting hard. And here right. we are, right. You know, like it worked. Yeah. There's somebody, but it was traumatizing. <laughs> there's somebody said for that, like being relentless like that though, like just mm -hmm. going after it. And I love the fact that you just, you saw it. And here's the thing today we can look at your show and, and I can say this with confidence as a, as a, as a listener, as a fan myself, how many people it impacts and helps. Like not just it helps the guest as well, like to get their word out there and things like that, sure. but also people who listen. Like you're making a big impact. So unfortunately, you had to deal with that for a time, but I think it was worth it for the impact it makes on the world today. So I personally just yeah. appreciate what you've done, man. It's it's a really cool thing. Thank you, dude. I appreciate that. You know, I look at the impact, and at the time when you're staring at the ceiling at two a.m., you're like impact from impact, man. I'm going to lose my house, but you know it it is worth it. And I thought I remember being like, oh, man, if I come out of this, man, I'm going to be so thankful, and I am. I think it's better that it happened that way because I set my sights a lot higher and I was so dog determined to get through it and win. And I wouldn't have been if it was just like, okay, well, you can do this and it's, you can sort of like chug along and do the other thing that you were going to do. It's lucky because our agreement before when I was trying to amicably, amicably split from my previous company was I was going to sell their products and services. I was going to keep a dating related podcast, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I, I just didn't have to do that. And that was yeah. like unchained, no, you know, NSYNC, no strings attached, right? And I just rolled through like uh, Justin Timberlake to beat that metaphor to death. And here we are. Man, so I, I've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed hearing your, your whole journey here. This is really cool. As someone who's been listening for a while, I've never actually heard all of this. So it's so cool that you shared this here. I've got one final question here. It's going to put you on the sure. spot a little bit. But mm -hmm. if you could go back to your younger self, the, the Jordan Harbinger who's about to start a podcast and give that person some advice today, knowing what you know, what would that be? Uh, I mean, look, there's something to be said for everything's going to be okay, <laughs> but, uh, I, man, technology now it's a double-edged sword, right? Because it, back in the day, there was no, like I said, there's no statistics. There was no, um, good hosting companies. There was nothing you could use to sort of like benchmark your progress. And while that was not good and not ideal, it was also probably one of the only reasons that I kept going, because if I was able to look at other people and I was like, so this guy who started after me is just like crushing me and has a bunch of followers and all these other social media that they was able to parlay into a show. And I'm like, not even 1% there. I might as well just give up. This isn't for me. But since I had no idea and there was no basis of comparison, I was just able to enjoy the process and be like, this is fine, whatever. This is, I mean, I'm making money out of what looks like thin air and I'm liking it. So like, who's going to complain? But if you're looking at your show and you're like, this guy just bought a jet with his podcast money. This is, this sucks. I'm not winning. I would have quit for sure. That's why most people do quit. You know, like, I don't know how many people that th they think it's going to be a hobby, but as soon as they realize it can make money, they turn it into a business and they ruin it. I was lucky. I was able to keep a hobby I love for like seven years. And then I was like, you can make money doing this. And then I started making money, but I had already just decided on the craftsman mindset, essentially for a lot, the better part of a decade. So the ups and downs that came in the, with the money part, I was like, eh, whatever, I'll do it for free. I don't care. And that was a huge advantage. That was a, that, that was a lot of, a lot of resilience came from just not caring if you make a hundred grand a week or $10, like it doesn't matter. It didn't matter to me. One, one fault so, that then I'm going to let you go here is, is if somebody starting today can see all of that now, how, like what kind of mindset do you need to be in to just continue and power through and, and keep it something yeah. that you know is adding value? Like what, what do you say to the person assume, today who's getting started? 
I would assume you're never going to make any money. And I know people go, no, but I really will. No, just assume you are not going to make any money doing it. It is just a hobby. Dedicate as much time as you would to a hobby that you enjoy. But the second you start expecting it to return financially, you are going to be disappointed initially. And that disappointment is going to bleed over into what you like. There's nothing that ruins a hobby more than turning it into a job. And so you have to be damn careful when you pull the trigger on that. Like if you love yoga, cool, do free classes in the park. The second you try and open a yoga, yoga studio and you're like, I'm going to do this for much, like you're going to be so stressed. You're going to freaking hate it. You're never going to want to do yoga again if it doesn't work. Why do that to yourself? You know, why do that to yourself? Keep it a hobby as long as you can because Dollars to donuts, 99, more than 999 people out of a thousand fail at podcasting way more than that, actually. <laughs> so yeah, don't assume you are the one. I know that's hard for people my age and especially younger to do like it's because everyone's super special, but, and, and, and many of you are very talented. I'd say like millennials, many of us, I should say are many very talented. I didn't think that was me. But it didn't matter. It was a hobby. The second you're like, but I'm the exception. Well, when reality hits, it's going to suck. So don't do that to yourself. Just assume you're not going to make any money doing this. And that's fine. You're just doing it for the impact. But you can't sort of lie to yourself and be like, but secretly I'm going to make money doing this. Just really, you have to believe in your heart of hearts that this is never going to be your living. And if it happens to turn out that way, then great, you win. Jordan, that's some great wisdom, some great advice for, for ending this conversation. I just want to say thank you so much for the time and for being yeah. with us at Pod Pros today, man. Really thankful for you. Sure. Yeah, my pleasure, man. This is a fun conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcasting Made Simple. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please share a screenshot or picture of yourself listening to it on social media. Be sure to tag us so we can follow you and also reshare it. Additionally, if you know someone who would benefit from listening to this as well, please send it their way. For show notes and resources from this episode, please visit podpros.com slash 184. Thank you again for listening and I'm looking forward to bringing you another Masterclass episode next week.